You are listening to the LDS Divorce Coach Podcast, episode number 80. Welcome to the LDS Divorce Coach Podcast. I take the sting out of divorce. This is your host, Emily Sanchez. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. I hope you are doing well. If you're anything like me, school has started, and in Arizona, it's online until we can get our numbers in control, which means I (laughs) am sitting there making sure that my first grader and my third grader are logged in and doing their lessons, and it's just a lot right now. Um, yes, so <laughs> we're just trying to get used to the schedule. My third grader's pretty good. He's upstairs. My first grader's downstairs, and I, I literally have to be next to her so she knows how, how and where to navigate and how to write a sentence, you know? <laughs> but my third grader is up there, and he just yells at me, I need some water. I need some socks. You know, it's like, meatloaf, ma. Anyway, if you understand that reference. Um, (laughs) it's crazy around here. And what's even crazier is my entire family had COVID-19. We all tested positive, except for my six-year-old. She was negative throughout the entire thing. So this is insane. And I just decided to do a podcast on this because I learned some of the most valuable lessons of my life through the service of others. And I had to share it. And the other thing was, I kind of wanted this podcast for me personally, and for generations to come, just to, to let my (laughs) progenitors know a little bit of what we went through when they study the coronavirus of 2020. But you guys, it's been crazy. So I first want to just explain what happened, the symptoms of it, because I know a lot of people are interested in that type of thing, but I'll make that quick and get to my lessons of what I learned. But my husband was in Mexico, unfortunately, for his aunt's funeral, and he is like the safest person through this whole pandemic He has been so prepared. He has not even gone to work, you know, at first. Now he does, but most everything's on Zoom. He's always wearing a mask. So he's just super, super safe. But he caught it down in Mexico visiting a niece that he hadn't seen in forever. And she had a cold. She thought it was just a cold. And it wasn't just a cold. So he brought it back. And unfortunately, we... We just weren't as safe in quarantining him to his own room. He had been gone for a week. My children are obsessed with him. So it's very, very hard to separate him, which we did a couple of weeks ago when one of his employees had it. And he was negative the whole time. But we did the whole quarantine in the room. (laughs) So this time we didn't. And we were just so happy dad was back. But dad was not normal dad. Dad fell asleep for three days straight. <laughs> and then I start getting sick and I get feeling guilty that I was thinking he was a complete wimp for having a cold, quote unquote, and falling asleep. So 
The other problem was, so he came back Friday evening, and Saturday was when he started feeling really sick. And then that night, that's when he did his three-day hiatus of sleep. So Sunday was when Isabel, our oldest, came back from her dad's. So what my husband feels probably the worst about is the fact that he didn't say anything or didn't warn my ex-husband and we just allowed Izzy back into our house. So that could have caused a pretty bad co-parenting type nightmare, but I'll explain. So I just wanted to let you know. So she came back Sunday and then I started feeling it Tuesday. And what it felt like for us, and I'll explain mostly my symptoms, was like the worst sinus infection, especially headache that you could ever have. Now my nose was never stuffed. My throat never felt too bad. My husband's throat felt super bad, but I had a fever for four days, four days straight. Luckily, my sister is a nurse on the reservation and she works with COVID patients. So she was telling me all the things to get. So out of advice, I would advise to get a pseudoephedrine that's in like the hard sinus medications. And so that's what I took. And that really helped my sinus headache. And it helped me to function because when you're a mom, it doesn't matter if you have COVID-19, you still have to <laughs> do everything. You can't sleep for three days. Even though I crashed and we did take turns with the kids. Um, but you guys know, you guys know how it is with moms. Like you have to just keep going. It felt like I was crawling, literally. Because when you have a fever... It, it's just hard to focus. Another interesting symptom of this is I felt like it took my brain and just scrambled it into oblivion. I couldn't think, you guys. I would walk into a room and say, why am I here? Why am I here? And I could never remember. It was like dementia or the early stages of dementia. So I'm really hoping when I'm older that I don't end up getting it, that it somehow fried that part of my brain. So we'll see. But the biggest thing that it does is it just completely wipes your energy out. So Isabel got it, started feeling things on Thursday. Now my four other kids are little eight, six, four, and one, but they had stomach issues. My baby had stomach issues, diarrhea, and he was a little irritable. And um, the other two who had it, same thing. They were tired, but it only lasted maybe two days. And so luckily, very, very mild for them. So, but like I said, my six-year-old never got it. Now, my teenager, it affected her exactly like it affected me. She had the fever and um, couldn't taste food after a while. You just don't feel like eating. But, and that's the first week. The second week for me, it got into my lungs. And that was what was scary. My friend calls it the Corona corset. You feel like you're wearing the tightest corset ever and you cannot take a deep breath. So I thought maybe I need an inhaler or something. I just, and it scared me. I wasn't used to that. I've never had any lung issues. I can't even relate to someone who has asthma. I don't understand it. 
And so I just had to get used to that. And once I was used to it, it was better. It also helped that my brother is a doctor and I told him I can't breathe, that something has to be done because it was scary. And he prescribed me some steroids. And folks, that did the trick. I got so much better. They gave me energy. I was like cleaning because whenever I had any sort of energy, which was very uncommon, I would clean because you can imagine when you're absolutely wiped out trying to lay down when my baby sleeps. The house was a freaking mess. Let's just put it that way. It looked like that Tasmanian devil had been hanging out (laughs) in our house. But luckily, those helped me so (laughs) much. But my other symptoms were I couldn't taste food. I didn't feel like eating. My stomach hurt. And I basically felt like I was pregnant. I had really bad acid reflux. And so it just felt like those early stages of pregnancy where you kind of want to throw up and you have really bad (laughs) acid and heartburn. And yeah, so that was interesting. But now that I've described the symptoms and it's still, I still have a cough, you guys, and it's been three, four weeks. And when I try to run on the treadmill, my lungs are still, I don't know. It's just not the same. I'm going to try to be patient as I completely get over it. But we all tested negative. Don't worry if you were worrying. (laughs) But we all tested negative and we're doing great. So now we feel like, hey, we're the safest family to be around. And we could go back to school. Uh, But anyway, who knows how long immunity lasts, right? So here are some things that I learned. Number one, the small things matter. Number two, having a strong co-parenting relationship matters. Number three, allow others to hurt with you. And number four, prayer is real and has power. So those four things, guys, let's start with number one, the small things matter. Let me tell you of some cool things that people did. I have a friend. (laughs) I have a friend who was in Utah when it all started, and she just texted me and said, I just found out I want to be there for you. What can I do? I can, you know, we can get you anything you need. And we got a lot of texts like that. You know, the small things matter. The little texts that just say, hey, I'm checking on you. I'm thinking about you. That meant so much to us. It meant so much to me that people just care. And reaching out with a little text something so small, it really, really matters. So this friend, one thing she said in her text that mattered the most to me was even if it's just you want to hop on the phone and chat, if you want to talk, you know, if you're bored and you just want to talk, call me. I'm here. I'm always here. And then later that night, they brought homemade bread and a card for me and my husband that talked about the influence that we have had on their children. They have six boys. And that was so meaningful to me. So she went the extra mile just to show her love, to show that we have done things for them and she wanted to do things for us. And so that meant a lot. 
I had another friend who just dropped off dinner without even <laughs> being asked. I thought that was cool. She's like, here's dinner. And what do you want me to pick up for groceries for you? And she would do this a lot. It wasn't just one dinner. She would say, hey, I'm heading to Target. What do you need? And I'd take her up on that because I needed stuff and we couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't even like grab food. We had to stay in our house. So that was kind of maddening. I had another friend who heart attacked our door. Their family heart attacked our door and then left a note that just said your family means so much to us we're thinking of you we're praying of you we're here for you with whatever you need then the next day she asked if I wanted a smoothie and you know and and then she did something extra special for my daughter she later told me that she she got her a little present wrote her a card and she just said I felt her I felt that it was hard for her and so I felt like I needed to do something for her how cool is that, people? I have a friend who seriously can feel how you're feeling. And she said it, she was super worried about me. And there was one particular night when I couldn't breathe. And I was struggling that she, she felt that. She felt that. And she told me. And so just that communication and those kind things, that was huge. So that was number one. The small things matter. They do. Showing up matters. Those small little notes, small little texts, it matters. Number two, having a strong co-parenting relationship matters. Now, <laughs> could you imagine if we didn't have a good, strong co-parenting relationship? He could have held contentment for my husband for infecting her. You know, I'm sure he was a little irked. But he never expressed that. Even now, he's never expressed that. Of course, he just missed her because she ended up having to be here quarantining for two and a half weeks. And they just kept texting us asking how we were doing too and asking if they could bring dinner. They brought dinner, called and asked exactly what everybody wanted. I mean, they really showed their care and concern for not only our daughter, but for us. And that meant a lot. And it was interesting. My husband was saying a prayer before we ate the food that they brought. And he said, we are grateful for our Hansen family. That's their name. <laughs> and it struck me. It struck me, you know, all these years later. But my husband called them our Hansen family. And I just thought, wow, they are part of our family because that's what we have chosen to do for Izzy's sake. And that meant a lot to me to see that they are that. And I should tell them. I should tell them that that's what my husband said. So having a strong co-parenting relationship matters. All right, number three, allow others to hurt with you. Now, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, my sister kept saying how she just felt so bad. I feel so bad. What can I do? I'm so helpless. You know, it's my sister in Utah. I feel so bad. You know, and a lot of people were saying that. I just feel bad. I feel so helpless. I feel bad, you know, because they wanted to take our kids from us to help us, but they couldn't, you know. 
And at first, I kept telling my sister, don't feel bad, please. I'm hurting enough for everybody. Nah, don't feel bad, right? But that was her way of connecting. That was her way of mourning with me. That's her way of truly empathizing. And so many people were empathizing. You know, we know part of our baptismal covenants, which are in Mosiah 18, mourn with those who mourn, comfort those who stand in need of comfort. It's a real, real thing. And Jesus exemplified mourning with those who mourn. My favorite passages of the Bible are in John chapter 11, when Lazarus dies. And it's the famous verse, um, verse 34. Jesus wept. Those two words, right, have so much meaning. You know, a couple of verses before that, Mary comes to him and just said, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Where have you been? But Jesus knew He knew this whole time that he was going to show them a miracle. He was going to show them the reality that he is God. And so he had to wait those four days to really hammer that in. But what I find so amazing of the the passage Jesus wept, as he was weeping with her, he saw how sad she was, and he didn't say, guess what? I'm going to go raise him from the dead. You'll see. Don't worry. You don't have to be sad. You're going to be fine. He didn't say any of that. Of course, he just went and did it. But he didn't say any of that. A lot of times when true empathy comes, there's just mourning with that person. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to say Everything's going to be fine. You're all going to be healed. Now, that's nice, and I do that way too much, right? Because I'm a coach. That's what I want. I want you to get to that point. But there's something to connecting with somebody and mourning with them truly. And I just, I love that he never said to her, stop crying. Don't worry. Don't do this. You know? And I'm sure that my sisters would could say the same thing. You're going to be fine. Don't worry. But they didn't. They, they had true empathy while I was going through that. So just an interesting point about what that can do. And that, that just connects you to people. And it showed love to me. And I want to be more like that. I want to be more feeling in the moment rather than that solution right then. So that was number three, allow others to hurt with you. And then number four is prayer is real and has power. We know this, right? We hear it all the time. And then sometimes we have experiences where it just really hits home. I have another sister. Remember, I have four sisters and five brothers. (laughs) But my sisters seemed to check in on me a little more than my brothers did. My sisters were in com- like constant communication with me, all four of them. And this is my second sister, and she lives outside of Tucson. And not only her, but we had lots of families praying for us. And you may have heard that expression before where people, I know we hear it in the church a lot. I can feel your prayers. 
I can feel your prayers. You know, we hear that expression. But it is a very real thing when you are in the position. If you take time, actually, to think about it, that you can feel them. You'd have to actually feel it, but the Spirit can help you feel it. And I did. And they really buoyed me up. But particularly my sister, Anna, she would check in on me every single night. And one night, I was really, really bad. And I allowed my thought. (laughs) That's a whole other lesson. I could have a whole other podcast about when you are sick. Or I cannot imagine myself terminally ill. That would be bad for me. (laughs) But not allowing your thoughts to even go there. But I allowed it one time for my thoughts to go there. And my thoughts said, what if you die in your sleep because you stop breathing? I really had that thought, hate to admit. But I was worried that I would stop breathing. And so I told her. (laughs) I told her how bad it was. And she told me that she prayed for me all through the night. And that brings tears to my eyes because she cares. So that is definitely something that you can do for people. For other people, as we look outside ourselves, see who is suffering. And when she told me that, man, I felt the love. So it's huge as far as connection. And I slept so soundly through that night. I had one of my best nights of sleep ever. So there's definitely something to that. And I know, I believe in it. There is a power. A power that you cannot explain. So let's use it. And let's let's have faith and let's feel the prayers of others. And let's offer those prayers, as simple as that is. But it really, really helps. Anyway, guys, that's it for me. If you have any more questions, let me know. And if you're thinking, man, I need just a little bit of help. Maybe you just broke up with someone. Maybe you're separated. Maybe you're thinking of separation. Maybe you're newly divorced. Or maybe you're not divorced at all. You just need a little bit of uh, raising to the next level. How you can conquer your goals. That's what I'm good at. So contact me for coaching. I do a free mini session, 20 minutes. Uh, You can just email me, coachemilysanchez at gmail.com. Okay, guys, take care and make it what you want. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. Come on over and visit me at coachemilysanchez.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, make it a great day.